What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to Tour Life. Scott Brody and Yuli, as always. After an incredible interview last week with King Climo, you haven't seen it. I feel like everyone's seen I'm it. I'm exhausted from that. <laughs> you're, I'm still, you're still tired. <laughs> that was amazing, man. Yeah, thanks so much for everyone that gave um, a lot of good feedback back from that. I think a lot of people really enjoyed it and gave some, you know, some suggestions for future yeah. guests and stuff. So I'm yeah. excited about that. But we're here this week in Nashville, Tennessee for the Music City Open. We've got new mics. This is the mic that I've been working with. We got a mic for Yuli as well. We're on the same camera and the same thing. So if you're joining us live, welcome, welcome. Awesome to be here. Uh, 56 channel members, Yuli. Whoa. Yeah, I think we were like at 15 or something last week, 15 or 20, 56. Also, we have updated the logo, I guess, or the channel member icon. Yeah. So in the live chat, if you are a channel member, you now have a sick for life, cool little icon thing that you can see. Sorry, I'm having to adjust some things real quick. We should be good to go once I get this. Okay. So yeah, we appreciate that. I did a live stream last week where it was just like a Q&A hangout session. We had a couple thousand people join. It was cool. Answer nice. some questions. And I think that will be something that I'll do more in the future. And that will be like a, a perk for membership. So if you're interested in joining the Tour Life members, uh, the link is there at the top of You just not the sleep. Chat. You just don't sleep. No, I do sleep sometimes. Um, and it's in the description <laughs> as well. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, whenever I'm scrolling through anything, it's like new video, new video, new podcast, debate night, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, well, it's, it's incredible well, that you can fit well, that much you, stuff in. That's cool, man. Well, once, yeah, once you have it kind of programmed, I think that's key. Yeah. Like when you have stuff where it's on the seat of your pants, well, I think that can get stressful. I feel like I'm busy mm -hmm. and you're busier. Mm. You're busier. You have to be. I like being busy though. Yeah, I, I do too. No, I, I'm yeah. my best person when I'm busy for sure. But mm -hmm. when I look, I commend you, man. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think right now there's just a lot that can happen for disc golf, and it's Agreed. it's a very exciting time to continue to kind of advance it. And it's it's a weird spot to obviously be like a player and doing all <laughs> this, right? Because again, we just don't have the history, we don't have no. the numbers, we don't have that yet to where we have people that you know like king climb is a perfect example i think if king climb had a podcast it'd probably be very fascinating oh my gosh i couldn't even imagine right but yeah but his era is just he's not super tech savvy like yeah. he was saying and so we'll see what happens but yeah I, that is one thing i'm very co -host, he's gonna co-host with us i guess i know some people happen. some people were saying like you should get him on multiple times have like a king climbo cast which would be interesting to just I, I wish he was able to do technology easier. I wish it was yeah. easier for him just like yeah. pop on his phone. Cause that would be fascinating just to like have a five minute. Hey, what'd you it's think almost, of this past week? It's almost worth it to just fly out there and just teach him. Just spend a week and be like, here, boom, boom, boom. This is what you need to do. Pretty easy. Set it all up for him. Mm -hmm. Have somebody like on speed dial in case he messes it up, trips over some wires. Not a terrible or idea. And then, yeah. And then he's in. Not a terrible idea. All right, so yeah, channel memberships. Thanks to everyone for that. I don't know when the next live stream will be, but we will keep you updated with all that. All right, moving on to the next thing. No picks recap this week. It was, it was an off week last week. Yeah. No tournaments. 
I still think we need to tweak the point system moving forward. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. I think first place should get a, a little bit more. Done. I think top five should get a little bit more. Done. And then I think you get one point for a top 10. Love it. So what Let's about like it. a one, three, five? I like it. Yeah. First place gets five points. Yeah. Top then, five but, gets three. Here's the thing. You got to award me those points. Or do we want to retroactively go back and award those points? Yeah, you got it. Okay. I think you actually, Steve, <laughs> it might be a bad move by me. <laughs> because it, I think you're already still going to have a billion more points than me. I need to make a comeback. This is my week. This is a good one. This is my week. I think this is a good one to pick pick some winners. We'll do that, obviously, at the very end, yep. so stick with us there. Um, all right. First thing on the agenda, Icon Team was announced this week. This craft added a new member to the icon yeah. team, which I think there's only a handful of people, a very, very, I would say prestigious award, maybe the most prestigious award that this craft can hand out. Yeah. It goes to our man right here. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it? Um, it's interesting. It yeah. really is. It's an interesting, it's an interesting thing because I don't know. A lot of you guys haven't seen the video. If you haven't, then go to Discraft's um, YouTube channel and check it out. So, so that you can kind of get what I'm saying. But through the video, I tried to be like as open and honest with everything that was going on as possible. You know, like you said, honored, incredibly honored, almost too honored because I, I feel like I have a lot more to give mm. to Discraft and to the sport and to myself. And then I look at the people on there and it's just these guys that have just like, you know, like Dan Ginley, showed me everything he took me to the us did you see my very first ever tournament you know talked to my mom allowed her to let me go there i was 17 or something you know and uh he won the bob west memorial he put disc golf on the map in arizona every tournament that i went to he dominated he won and so like he's on that team he was one of the top the first ever four players to tour professionally and one of the first, I think four to be sponsored by Discraft. Wow. And so he's on there and I have very close connection to him. So, you know, growing up and seeing him and he's like here on the pedestal for me. And then for them to put me in there with him is just like kind of, ah, can you like, we, it's a weird thing, you know, can you kind of explain it maybe for some of the people listening right now that don't really understand what an icon, what the icon team is, is it similar? Would you say to a, a team, maybe like retiring a Jersey almost of where you, it, you, you were kind of going down in history as always being yeah. known for like, yeah, yeah your involvement so. with this craft. Is that kind of, it is, it's, it's to that point, but it's also them basically giving the nod and being like, you have a home forever. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you do, how things go, you're here, we're going to take care of you type thing. Um, That's the way that I, I understand it. And yeah, so. Is that unique to Discraft? Do you know, do other so. manufacturers do anything like that? No, and it's something that um, I think that they really are trying to push a little bit harder for, you know, to um, show the team that like you can work you know what I mean? For something ultimate, like mm-hmm. something even better than like getting your name on a disc or doing all these things. Like if you do, if you're an icon, like there's a spot for you at the, you know, kind of at the end of the journey. And that's why it's weird for me. Cause my journey isn't, isn't yeah. done, you know, Michael, Michael Johansson's on there and he still tours and 
What was the reasoning for the timing, do you think? Was that more on your decision or was that their decision? It was their decision, yeah. I think part of it was the fact of, of how bad I struggled last year, right? So I had a really tough season. Mm-hmm. I missed cash at like a bunch of tournaments that I I normally wouldn't. And it's, and it's gone into this year as well. I'm just not at the top of my game and that happens. Um, and so there was a part where, you know, we set up the, we set up the structure of the team to where it was a points based deal. Mm-hmm. Like, so there's no favorites. There's no nothing. If you get the points, you're on the elite team, you get yep. a disc, you get that extra favoritism, you earned it. That's it. And that was one of the things that I really believed in, you know? And so then this year it comes up to where my, it was an interesting situation because mine's a, mine was a five-year contract I, I signed. Mm-hmm. Right. So no matter what, I get the stuff that I get. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? Yep. But it also came came to the point where I'm like, no, I, but I didn't make the points. Like, mm-hmm. you get what I mean? So there, it was like this this weird little situation, and we wanted to get another player, which was Anthony, mm-hmm. and we didn't have room. So I told Bob, like, my contract was kind of set in stone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't need to be on the elite team. Take me off there, put me on the tour team, and we're good. You know what I mean? And of course I would lose that disc mm-hmm. and being up there with the elite players and everything. But I guess because I made that decision, you know, that showed a nice leadership role. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, they, him and Mike talked about it and they're like, no, we're not going to demote him, which that's what it would have been. You know, they're like, we're going to put him on the icon team. So it was like, it was like a bunch of things, I think leading down that road, but they thought, you know, that I had earned it. And I've, you know, obviously I'm the captain of the team and I feel like I do a really good job with that. Um, it's something I don't shy away from for sure, which I think they respect that about, about me. And yeah, I mean, that's about all I can say about it. I mean, my feelings on it back to that is like, it's an honor. It's a crazy honor, but it's something that I feel like I would deserve later. Mm. But then you know, we all sat down and we talked about it and I'm not the type of person who wants to hear about all the things I've accomplished. You know what I mean? Cause I'm young. Yeah. Like I got things to do. Like I want to win major still. Like I want to, yeah, wanna... you're not, you're not close to retiring. No, no, no. And they're like, no, Paul, like you look at the, like the things and your stats are like better than like all these people, you know, already like you deserve this. And so then that was like kind of a nice little heartwarming moment to where I, I got a chance to look back at what I've accomplished. And then that made kind of those feelings go away to now it's more of an achievement where I, where I feel good about it and not an achievement where I'm like, man, is this the end type thing? Yeah. And so it was definitely something that I had to process and it took me a little, a little while to process, but now I'm honored. I was honored before, but now I'm even more honored because you know, I, I guess I can give other players hope too to get on there at an early stage. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a path to get to that, to where you know they came to me and they're like, you, you don't have to worry now. Like you don't have to. They told me I don't have to play tournaments. I don't have to do anything. All that's on my own accord. Mm. You know, like I don't have to feel the pressure of playing all the elite series and try to get on the elite team. Which I told them, I'm like, no, I'm going to get my elite spot back. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a goal of mine as well. Probably won't take it but i would like those points to be there yeah you know and so it's a it's a lot it's a lot of mix mixed things going in there but that's basically how i feel okay 
Yeah, no, I thought I thought the video was very well done too. Just going with who who was in charge of that? Was that Shane and and his? Yeah, the, cr- the craft team? crew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was very very well done, and I think you always do a good job of kind of opening up and describing kind of your feelings, and that's something that I think has made you as popular of a player as you are is because people can see that you're you don't shy away from whether when you are successful that's when it's the easiest right yeah. when you're successful it's the easiest to <laughs> to boost your chest and and go out and say and all your man. yeah yeah it's it's tougher when you are you know maybe struggling a little bit so um well that's the thing about like having a long career is this isn't the first time i've faced something like this you know if you yeah. go back like in 16 years you're gonna have struggles mm-hmm. and I think the I think it was 2012. I, my rating was exactly what it is now, mm-hmm. 10, 17, which was the lowest it had been then. And then I got to an, a new high, you know, mm-hmm. once I worked through it. So this isn't something new. It's um, a little it's, bit what we've talked about, where you know, if you have an off week now, yeah. you miss cash. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, if you had an off week, you get a top twenty. Yeah, it's you know, it's a different, it's a different world we're playing in. It takes a little bit of time, and again, it's it's something that I'm sure. You know, I'm sure, I don't know if you've felt it, but I'm sure other players have felt fan pressure, like their fans being like, dude, what's going on? What, what's happening? And it's like, you know, I was just a couple shots away. Yeah. I was like, I was this little, like the, 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 the margin of error now is, is so small. Yeah. So it's just something to take for granted because it's like you could have like not the worst week in the world and still miss cash. For sure. No, absolutely. But I'm definitely struggling. I feel the struggle in there. So it's that's not a thing to where I'm like, oh no, I'm playing great and missing cash. Like, no, I'm yeah. playing bad and deservedly missing cash. You know, silly mistakes here and there. And we're trying to work through it. And I feel like I will. Yeah. And I think too, the courses, some of the courses now with the amount of OB that they're putting down is starting to make it where if you do start playing a little worse, it's a little bit more punishing. And we've we played some courses like that, and we play some courses that you can kind of spray it around and yeah. get around and score. So, yeah, but yeah, I thought that was awesome. It was awesome. Congratulations! Thanks, I want to say congratulations to that. And I know everyone listening to is, is super stoked for you. So uh, that's awesome. All right, let's talk about the Music City Open. We are here, obviously, in Nashville, Tennessee. This was a national tour event at one point. Yes. Then I believe it was the Tour Championship spot at one point or my Na- it was the national tour finale national tour finale yep, same That's tournament right. sorry yep. about that national tour finale mm-hmm. then it turned into uh a part of the silver series i believe the last two years and now it is a elite event this year yep. and we'll kind of get into there because someone ended up we have some questions later on that i want to get into about silver events versus elite events but music city open we're playing at mill ridge which gives me a little bit of like jonesboro vibes in the sense of rolling hills it is a nice it is a nice piece of property where we don't have like sidewalks rolling through we yeah. don't have running paths we don't have roads it's it's a piece of property where they can kind of do whatever they want with it yeah and i also was told i don't know if you heard this i also was told that they just purchased or are looking to purchase or the city is open maybe not purchasing is the right word but the city is open to creating a championship a championship 
wooded course just across the way. I don't know how many acres. I can't remember how many acres it was, but there's a bunch okay. of woods across the way. And so I think the thought process now, and I think a lot of courses and course designers and tournaments are trying to do this is trying to create that wooded course. And then that open course, we see it with Waco where we went out and played Lake Waco, which is like the open kind of golf course style. Yep. And I think they are trying to look at doing that. Um, this one is interesting because it seems like this is the the first time it's been backwards where it's like an open course and they're adding a wooded course. I feel like a lot of times it's a, it's a wooded yeah. course and then they're, they're adding it open. Well, what do you think? Do you think then they, then they have to change it to a four day tournament? Is that what would have to happen? Yeah. I mean, it'd be, it would be very strange right? to just play one course once. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I don't think we have any tournaments Mm-mm. like that. Any, they're all four dayers. That's why, that's why I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime we play two courses, we play a four-day event. And maybe it does. And maybe that, honestly, maybe that is what they're s- slowly turning elite events into. Okay. Maybe they are slowly turning. Like the, the main difference, because I looked up what the difference between an elite event is and a silver event, which we'll get into later. There is nothing about like how many rounds you play. And so maybe it is like a slow rollout of eventually every elite event is going to be four rounds. Okay. And that, I mean, to me, that would that be would a make massive sense. difference between an elite event and a silver event is the amount of rounds you play. So what do you think? What do you think? Uh, well, let's pull up before we talk about the course, because I do want to get into the course. Let's pull up this graphic here of Chris Dickerson that the Disc Golf Pro Tour put out. This is what he's done the last several years at Music City Open. That's 2017 first, 2018 first, 2019 first, 2020, he lost to Alden Harris got second 2021 got fourth i believe that was the year that ricky and mason ford had that playoff Mm -hmm. and then last year he won by several strokes so is this is this one of those things where it's like we're back in tennessee his home state he feels good here because the course has changed that's the other thing too let's let's the course has changed several times throughout those years is there anything to take away from that is is it because also the other thing with chris dickerson this year is he hasn't really he hasn't really had a great tournament yet right he hasn't been in contention yet Mm -hmm. so what are your thoughts on this course and chris i mean are you liking are you liking his chances i mean by looking at those results you can't really bet against them you know it'd, it'd be like this if you have like a traditional golfer mm-hmm. and he plays horrible the whole year, but there's one tournament that he's just always right there in contention. He's probably going to say for some reason that that person feels comfortable in that environment. And maybe that's what Chris needs is a little hometown, like, you know, that extra little jolt of energy being like, okay, this is my state. I got to defend. Cause it's obviously good, he does, he does that. It's really good timing too. If that is the case, cause mm-hmm. he's got champions cup, which he won last year, right. just around the corner. So That'll be interesting to see. Um, okay, so there have been some big changes with the course. We had our, me and Ezra's practice round went out. So I'm sure some of you guys have seen those and kind of seen some of our thoughts on it. I don't know when Jomez is putting out your guys' practice Tomorrow. round. Tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So you'll see a little bit uh, more there. What are your thoughts? Because you didn't play this course last year, so you can kind of got a fresh blanket well, I played it. The, I played it the year it was national tour, though. Okay, I don't know what. It's a very similar track. 
Okay, so it was it didn't yep. change too much. Not not well. There's a lot of changes, but for the most part, the layout is very very similar. Okay. There's like probably at least ten holes that are the same, okay. right around there. Yeah, because I think between last year and this year, they added a few brand new holes and then tweaked a couple. Yep. Holes. Yep. What are your initial thoughts after you know getting a couple practice rounds out there this week? I like it. I do. I like the course. I think it changes dramatically with what the wind's doing. Like it has big time effect on on the scoring more so than I would say other courses, just because of the rolling hills aspect and the length, the pure length. Yes. And it, another thing is it it has to do with what direction the wind is going as well. So, um, I didn't. I guess when we played the Jomez practice round, it was calmer. I played today and it was windy. It got really windy, and I was out there it was early. Gusting. It was wild. It was. It was. It played tough, uh, but I thought it played fair. I thought it played fair. I like, I like a lot of the holes. I really like the par fives. I think the par fives are nice. I really like. Uh, I think they could have lengthened one of the par fives. I think it's the uh, first one. Mm-hmm. The first one seems a little four. a little soft. Hole four, yeah. yeah. That one's very wind dependent, I believe. Because we're going to play that into a headwind. Yep. And, you, and that will be very interesting. Yeah, that'll make it tougher it for sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I think if it there's no headwind, a lot of people are getting there for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the, I mean, when I played it with Calvin the first day, he just bombed the driver straight. Then he didn't even go over the top. He was far enough up to where he could just throw <laughs> yeah. it through the gap. Yeah. And then just had a little chip. And I think that's probably how. And, and if you look at the, we've got the caddy book up here. If you look, the second shot, the OB is so open yeah. that you can just bomb a, your second shot out there and and not really care yeah. too much where you end up. Um, so I think that one's that one's good. Uh, I think the upshot though, once you get a, it's like there's a lot of OB off the tee, and then it just opens kind of wide open, wide open. I don't, I don't like that with par fives like that. I think if you're gonna start off with OB, line that whole thing. Tighten it up a little bit. Tighten it up. Because the second shot's the one where you can get aggressive or or you don't. And it seems like they're like, nobody's really going to go OB off the first one unless you're really trying to go after it. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a pretty easy shot. The second shot is just you go over the tops of the trees and it doesn't matter where you land. That's where you need to be punished because you got to make the decision do I want to go and bite off the distance so I have the easy birdie slash maybe eagle or do I want to play it like a three shotter? But then you have to like land inbounds the whole way and kind of earn your birdie right now i, I feel like it's probably the easiest hole on the course because i actually like the basket placement there it used to be down and to the left but now it's kind of moved up almost just below the crest of the hill mm-hmm. and i like it because if you do get aggressive off the tee and you do get aggressive off your second shot now you can throw a slow disc in there and kind of have something just fall down and just drop yep. it in if you're having to throw like a 350, 400 foot shot Tough. into there, it's really easy for it to just go over that hill and then it just keeps going. There was yeah. a couple times where I had like a 40, 40. I thought it was a good shot and I'd get up there and it never hit the ground. Yeah. T- today I threw one or I thought I was 40 feet. No, eight. Mm. Like I thought I was 40 feet right and it leaked all the way down there to eight feet. Yeah. So I, I can totally see that happening. Uh, the rest of the course, I think it's good. I think it's a solid course. I really do. I think it's tough enough. 
I think if it's windy, I don't think we're going to see crazy scores like we have. Like, uh, mm-hmm. kind of a lot like the way that Austin played. Yep. I think that's going to be like the scoring average. I think somebody can get hot and go and go pretty far um, under par. But I also think the shooting one, two under to one to two over, we're going to see that too from some players. Yeah. I think I, before we started, I was in the chat talking to some people and they were wondering like how scorable is this course? And I, I kind of just listed the holes that I'm thinking like I would love to, you know, attack for birdie. Yeah. I think I only like I left off maybe four or five holes. Yep. So, you know, there are 14, 13 holes that you are looking to birdie out yeah. there. And so if you are playing well, I'm not going to be surprised if, you know, the weather's not terrible. It looks like the weather is starting to kind of lighten up a yeah. little bit. There might be one day we get a little bit of sprinkle. I, I'm not I'm not going to be surprised if 36 under, 34 under, 32, somewhere in that range wins. I would be. I would you think be. so? I, I would be, yeah. I think so. I think 12 under might be our, the best you see out there. Mm. Okay. I think it's that tough because, and here's why, because the par threes, like nobody's just going to get all the par threes. Yeah. I, like I they're tough. They man. have a couple really good green complexes of where they are decently protected mm-hmm. to where even if you throw like a decent shot, you still might have to make a, a tricky putt. You yeah. Have some trees in your way. You might have to straddle out. Um, I, I there's think only you, a few like kind of, I feel like the, the gimme par threes are 16 and 17. Yeah. And and those those especially with a little bit Two of wind, swingers. those can be those can be tough with the islands. Yeah, I think I counted out four or seven birdies that I feel like I have to get. Mm-hmm. Seven birdies that I have to get, and then the rest are the par threes. You know what I mean? That are like, I'm not going to get those every time. They're tough shots. Like the two par threes back to back, where you have to like throw the low, the low drifting one, and then the next one you have to hit the gap. Mm-hmm. Like getting those back to back, like you're playing. Yeah. Like you're playing well if you get those just those two holes back to back, and that's two. Yeah, and 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 then there strokes is a lot. There are some holes that are, you know, we. This is I would say this is not a course that you're going to be like every, you know the top guys are just going to play clean. Yeah, there, there are some holes that it's you know one bad shot will cost you a bogey. Yeah. Where you know that's not that's not definitely the case on every course we play. So it's not bad. I will say. To me, it doesn't the course itself doesn't feel like an elite event course. And I don't know what that really means. I don't let's really see, know what an elite event course I feel that, but let's see what it feels like in the tournament. Like right now, you show up, there's like three dumpsters right there. Like you have to take a, a half hour walk to the first tee. Nobody's around. I want to see. I felt that same thing, but I thought it's because okay, nobody's here. Yeah, you think once the, the atmosphere will change once the atmosphere once the atmosphere is there and you park and then you go over to where you're supposed to go, I think it might change a little bit. Okay, I hope because I also don't. I don't. I'm not saying that I believe elite events should be all very difficult courses because I don't think that makes any sense. Of where elite yeah. events are hard courses, silver events are easy courses. I just don't know. I don't know why I think that way. But to me, do you think it's because Texas kind of shredded? And so you're coming off of like up uh, like three really good venues, or do you think that has something to do with it? See, I think that I like the course more at Austin, the actual just the course itself, but I think this course looks better. Okay. 
Austin, I don't think looked good in person. I don't think looked good on camera. Just like as far as dirt patches everywhere and just it didn't look well taken care of. Mm. Where this is, you know, it's it's grass. We it's just a big huge field of grass. What, this is what I'll say. If they would have done what they did on seven with the tall grass, yeah. If they would have done that on every hole, hole one, yeah. hole three, I, hole I get two, that. This course would be like, holy cow, this course is sick. Which I wanted to kind of bring up. What do you think about? Because I want that as well. But what if they did the average, you know, the advertising on the size? What if they just lined every fairway like that? I don't think we have defined fairways. I don't think no. we have defined fairways. I think you can kind of just chuck it out there wherever yes. you want, and then and nobody has a clue. And we kind of get it's weird because in traditional golf, the drive's the most boring thing. Like they hit it, they follow it in the sky, like who cares? But before that, I feel like they do a really good job of showing the hole where you want to be too. And it's so like visually appear appealing because you can see the green green and then you can see where it gets darker and then the water or whatever. It's like really well-defined in disc golf. It's just like, unless there's trees, it's like, okay, there you go. Whole one's a stakes. They put like little stakes up and that's hard. That's hard that's too. Hard to see, yeah. It's hard to see. Hole one's a perfect example of size. If you can pull up hole one real quick. Hole one, when you guys are watching us play this week, there is a very specific landing zone that we want to do. Mm -hmm. If you look right now on the caddy book, there is no OB right. No. So if I'm watching it, all I see is grass. Yeah. If they had long grass, doesn't that's not to, what it looks like. That's that's not what it looks like, but that's what the hole is. Yes, which is crazy. You you get what I mean? They're like trying to make it look like a traditional golf course, right? And so with the way that it is, which I love. That's visually appealing. now. Here's I love the thing, that. though: if everything outside of that path is tall grass, now when I watch people throw their shot and it doesn't land in the short grass, I you, can be like, "Oh, that's you know. not where you want to be." You know, where yes. right now. I could land in the short grass and you could land the short grass and they both look like, Oh, they did what they wanted. Yeah. And your next shot's going to be way worse than mine. Yeah. But you have no idea to under, like, there's no, like you said, especially on a course that doesn't really have a lot of trees where they can do a drone, you know, let's say they do a drone flyover yeah. and they're like, okay, this is cause I think Vegas was like this on a couple holes where they're like, okay, this, this tree in the fairway, you want to land just left this tree, having something to where play or this bunker, if you can land just left of the, or right of this bunker, you're in a good spot. When you're just throwing out to a field, same thing as like hole three, the or hole five, four, the par five. Yeah. If you're on the right side of the fairway there, or again, there's not really a fairway, right? But mm -hmm. if you're on the right side, your next shot is impossible. Yep. But that's going to be so hard for people. Can't really explain it. It's going to be so hard for people to see that. What do you think about this? Uh, and to me, that's a big thing because it makes disco, it makes what we're doing look very easy in certain situations and and they're not you're not really understanding how impressive some of the shots actually are do you think that the commentators do a good job of explaining how hard the shot is and explaining that player's skill set because from shot to shot this is I, what i was thinking today to be fair i haven't listened to uh the mpo live okay that much this year at all I've listened to I, I listen to it because I get done early, so then oh. I can watch it. I've been lucky enough to not <laughs> yeah. I've been lucky yeah, I enough to be playing. I can watch the final round, yeah. round and then I get and then I get to commentate on it, which is nice because I get to see it. That's good. And then I get to kind of go go into it. What I try to do is like explain that person's skill set, which is tough. 
I think that gives the if we could get really good at that, right? To where we know that person's skill set down to a T, that you can explain how difficult that shot is, period, and how difficult it is for that particular person. Because a Zachariah Johnson who lands a hundred feet right on hole one, okay. right? And then he throws a sidearm 400 foot spike hyzer and he gets a birdie. That's not that impressive to me because that's a, that's a shot that he has kind of dialed, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, of course he did. Now, if I threw it over there and then I'm stuck in that situation right away, the commentator needs to go down that list of what I just said. You know what I mean? Well, you know, he only throws it 330 feet. I don't know what he's going to do here. He's either going to have to throw something way out left, bend it from left to right into the green, a roller's an oh, option, right, yeah. but those two shots compared to what Zach's doing is night and day as far as a skill set goes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that birdie for me is I'm not going to get hole one unless I really smush one off the tee way left. Like I'm just not, but somebody it, else is. It's it's a hundred percent vital, I would say, for the commentators to have walked the course and and even maybe played the course or even talked to players about it because the one thing we cannot miss is talking about the level of difficulty like you were kind of saying with just the skill set but then also the level of difficulty in certain situations where if someone yep. throws a shot and they're out of position and maybe it does look like you're saying the Zachariah Johnson forehand like maybe it does look like it's a routine but forehand but like to a lot of people like that's going to be a very tough spot to get up and down from yeah. for a birdie and I think sometimes that's missed maybe when you don't necessarily know the right spots to land. Yeah. Like let's say like uh, on what hole is it? We played it in the doubles and we thought that the guys were going to take a, a 22 on the hole. Yes. Uh, well, 15. 15. Let's say that. Uh, yeah. 15 is last year's hole 16. I believe it was it's a great hole, by and the way. It's one of the better par fours that we play on tour. A hundred percent. If let's say that Calvin goes in left. Right, mm -hmm. like we, you and I know his skill set. The for him to get up and down with a sidearm, kind of pitching out, would be a, an amazing shot for him. Incredible. But for Germ to do it, that's like his shot. Yep. You get what I mean, and I don't think that is like pushed enough in the live, in the booth. Which I don't. It's not their fault. They're not here. Yes. A lot of them. That's that's a tough thing. Is like yeah, when you're not actually on the ground because wind's a huge one too. Think and about how hard you played. Uh, in traditional golf, it's easier because you have you have thin lies, you have rough, you have uh, green, and you have the fairway. It's really easy to describe. If it's hard or difficult. Yes. Or sorry, if it's hard or easy. And you shot. know a guy moves a ball preferably left to right or right to left. In our game, like we just move the disc all kinds of crazy ways, which makes our game awesome, mm -hmm. right? We can do all kinds of things with it. But there are shots that are pretty tough for some people. And I don't know, I don't think that we really portray that as well as we could, especially when, like I say, Zachariah throws that shot and and then let's say somebody else throws like a roller up there. Like there's just two completely different levels of of skill set. I think something too that maybe And so and so then yeah. sorry to interrupt, but no, no, so then finish your thought. So then when we have those players, like let's say I make lead card here, mm -hmm. right? The round that I have to play to make lead card is like an amazing, crazy round. And then me being on television, and let's say I just 
absolutely blow up and I shoot like three under, which wouldn't be a bad round for me. To the audience, that looks crazy. Like it look, it looks like I'm just playing really bad. But the round before, I careered it with these crazy shots. Are they going to be able to dictate that? Mm. You get what I mean? To yeah. not make me look like a complete fool because I might not be playing that bad. Yeah. You, I think that's a good one. I think a lot of that too has to go with better statistics because okay. something we hear a lot when I watch coverage is I'll see a player miss a putt from 25 feet and they'll be like, wow, they normally make those every time. <laughs> right. And it's like, do they though? Like what it what you know, or or someone has a 250 foot upshot, and before they even throw, they're like, This is this is an automatic birdie. They're gonna get up and down, they get up and down from here every single time. And I feel like there's a lot of these. I, I would rather have statistics, like actual stats yeah. be talked about there if we if it if it can get that way, versus these absolutes of because oh, it is an absolute sometimes with these players, you know, like for when certain they say, people, yeah. maybe, but, but there is, there's definitely a lot of times where I'll see someone be like, Oh, they usually make that putt. And I'm like, no, they don't. They're not <laughs> right. good at putting. And so yes. you're, it's, it's this kind of, yeah. it's this, they're trying I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it seem like what you just saw is an anomaly and they're actually really good. So don't take Yeah, They're that. trying not to hurt their feelings. Maybe. And it's like, sometimes you just have to be like, sometimes you just so have that's to where he truth. struggles. Yeah. Sometimes like you when just Gar- have to give the truth, not to throw him under the bus, but when Garrett gets on coverage, they bring it up. Mm-hmm. They bring it up when AB gets on coverage. They bring it up like this is where he struggles sometimes when we see him is in the circle, and yep. they bring it up. That's fine, but you got to do that like you said with everybody. Yeah, if if someone's a backhand dominant player and they step up to a tee and it's a forehand, it's a hundred percent forehand shot. You have to talk about how they're yeah. going to struggle, like they have a disadvantage at this hole because they do not have a forehand. Yeah. You know, and then if they do pull off the backhand, then you need to talk about how impressive yes. that is because it's such a harder shot than the forehand was. Yes. So, yeah, we can we can talk about commentary until our face is blue. I'm sure <laughs> people that I, that is something that people will always, regardless, even if we got Jim Nance in the booth, right? If Jim Nance got in the booth, well, they would complain. Still, there will still be people. Yeah, he doesn't upset. know anything yeah, about there, it. Like there will still be people <laughs> that are upset, but. Knowing from what I know from last year, going off of this tournament last year, the yeah. crowds out here are crazy. Very good. We get a really good uh, showing, which is awesome. It does seem like they have boosted some of the vending, I would say. It looks like they are adding some things where last year I felt like it wasn't really much of anything. I feel like okay. it was almost it was almost closer to like a B tier, I guess you could say, of where you kind of just show up, you play, and you leave. And if you're a spectator, you kind of just show up, you watch, and you leave. It looks like every day I go back, it looks like they've added some stuff. Cool. So that's that's good to see. But as far as the tournament goes, I think Nashville is an awesome city to, to have a tournament in. Yeah. I always look forward to coming to this one. And I will say like the tournament directors are not afraid of continuing to try to tweak and fix the course, yeah. which is something that I do appreciate. Because I think last year, like hole 18, I don't think was the greatest finishing hole ever. And I think that was discussed. Hole one was not a great starting hole, and that was discussed. And you know, both those holes don't exist now. Right. So they they definitely are willing to change, and I, I think that is a good thing. And I don't know if that's more on their side or if that's like the Jeff Spring and Pro Tour being like, "Hey, you guys need to do this." But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, 
we'll see how that all plays out. One thing I do want to say though about this course specifically, because something that I, I think this matters more in just open courses. I don't think this matters when you get into the woods because when you're in the woods, the wind is not affecting it. Open courses, the wind affects holes. Size, if you can pull up hole, it would be 13. If you can pull up hole 13 for me on the caddy book, uh, I want to talk about this hole. This is the par four. We're kind of throwing down in a little bit. It's not really a tunnel shot, but it does kind of force you to throw a certain height, I would say, coming out of the trees a little bit. And for those listening, essentially what we're looking at is a wall of trees. And then there's a gap that's maybe 25, 30 feet wide. However, the gap is not, you're not going to ever get something through the gap unless you throw a crazy flex forehand. That's the only line. You can't throw like a hyzer flip backhand. You can't throw back. You can't throw anything other than a flex forehand to get through the actual gap. Mm -hmm. So really the only way of playing this hole, you have two options. You either lay up short of the gap and then you have a very, very difficult second shot, very long second shot through the gap all the way down to the basket. Or for the longer throwers, they blast something up and over these trees. Again, we're throwing from downhill. So those trees are probably 50, 60 feet in the air from where we're throwing, probably close to yeah, 50 feet. It's high. And I would say maybe 200 feet away from the tee box. Mm -hmm. I, I measured it. It was two. 214 feet okay so 214 feet but this has to go above 50 feet today was playing into a headwind <laughs> yeah. me and ezra threw two shots both of our shots cleared the trees okay over the trees yep. probably traveled a good 50 feet past the trees but in <laughs> the wind then decided to lift the disc a good 50 to 60 feet and then push it backwards 300 feet backwards and to the left we almost landed on hole seven's tee box <laughs> yeah way back there and you know so we're playing this hole and it's like the way that hole plays into a 20 mile an hour headwind is not the way i think they envisioned the hole playing and so my question to you is a lot of times i think austin is a perfect example too you heard a lot of people not like the course on the first day because there's like this hole is impossible. This you can't do. Why don't we have multiple tee pads and why don't we look at the weather beforehand before the day tournament or sorry before the tournament day and go, you know what? This hole that is 1400 feet is playing into a 20 mile an hour headwind tomorrow. Maybe we should move it up to 1200 feet because 1400 feet is going to be nearly impossible for anyone to actually play the hole properly. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Is that something that we should be looking into of like changing T pads to make holes a little bit more accessible when the wind's bad or more challenging when the wind is good? Well, I think that hole's horrible anyway. Okay. Without the wind, with the wind, doesn't matter. I think that that's just a bad hole. Okay. You, there should never be a hole where the shot is to throw it over the trees in, and that's a shot. When it's calm, that's what everybody in the field is going to do. That's do. what you have to do. I think what they wanted, and I don't know who the course designer is, so I'm not taking shots. But one of the things that Slight I've seen, shots. and as a general, genuine, general, yeah, don't ask me. Come on, help me out. Uh, generalization. Yes, 
as a generalization, Oof. what I see, we did it, is sometimes people design holes thinking that we can't do something. Like, I think maybe they thought that everybody's going to try to pierce through that gap and, like, make this really cool, like, oh, you have to lay up and then go through the gap. And I don't think they realize, like... They moved that T-bat back, too. No, and that's what I'm saying. They think no, like when they first designed that hole, that T pad was closer to those tree lines. Yes, and then they realized everyone was going over the top, so they moved it back. And it and doesn't stop. Still going. Over it the still top. doesn't yes. stop it. And so that's why I think I think the way they're trying to design the hole is you can try to go over if you want. Mm -hmm. If not, you're supposed to lay up into that area and then go over. And I think they got lucky. That there's a 20 mile an hour headwind because that is the only way to play it. You have yep. to lay it up short and then go through there. So I like that. But with no headwind, or if there's even a right to left crosswind, first of all, like you said, if there is a headwind, it's going to be the biggest backed up hole on the whole course because there's going to be people trying to go over it's... without a doubt and they're going to lose their disc. Yeah. Bad hole, bad design hole. Okay. Maybe so. Maybe that wasn't the best example. What about okay? I think hole 18 is a great hole. In the sense, hear me out. In the sense of, I, I think, I think it has. Let me say this: I think it has potential of being a great hole. Okay. I think there needs to be OB, obviously in the fairways. I, I don't like the fact that you can just spray the disc anywhere off the tee. But I'm, I'm saying I think it's a good hole in the sense that a birdie is difficult there, and I just think the final hole. I like having a hole where you have to have you have to throw multiple shots. So that's a two shot hole. And a birdie isn't a guarantee because then it makes it to where I, I don't know if a bogey is really possible there, which yeah. might be bad. And that might be why they, they need to have OB. Oh. But my, my <laughs> thought process with like different tees is I, there are times where you play a hole and the wind is just not in a good, like it just does not make the hole better. Okay, so I apologize. I didn't even answer your question. I went off on a tangent about no, no, how bad fine. the hole was. So no, no. let me answer your question. Are other tees, if I hear what you're saying, yeah, why not? If it makes the speed of play good, like that for that hole, hole for example, is a great example of because it'll be a backup. Like, yes, there should be another tee and they should change the hole. Yes. So that, to answer your question, I'm, I'm on board with that. Yeah. There should, I think that we should have different tees all the time anyway. I think that, that sometimes, like for a first round, we should play a, 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 a scoring tee. Second round should be harder, and the final round should be the hardest tees that you can put, put us on. I always use USDGC as an example, too, because I think that's just an easy, one of the easier courses for players, not players, but also fans to like, oh, yeah, I know what that hole is. Yeah. Imagine hole 17 one day is pushed back 50 feet. Same exact hole. Yeah, but it's 50 feet further, farther. I say further. It's farther, farther. 50, 50 feet farther. That, that changes that hole, right? Mm -hmm. That changes that hole. And does it make, does it make it a little bit more interesting for the fans? Cause ultimately what we are in, we are in the, we are in the business of entertainment. So ultimately at the end of the day, yeah, we, if we really care about disc golf growing, right and getting bigger and purses getting bigger and more people playing and all that stuff the last thing we should be worrying about 
And I know it's going to be tough to, for some players, but the last thing we should be worrying about is how the course makes us feel. <laughs> right. Right. No, you're right. Yeah. Like if I play a course and I'm like, I don't like this course, yeah. I don't have fun playing this course. But then you have the biggest spectator crowds ever. You have everyone watching mm-hmm. me like, this is awesome. I love this. I need to be like, all right, you know what? It, this isn't a fun course, maybe as other courses, yep. but this is good for the sport. Yes. Because I can see people already being like, well, now I have to like practice multiple tee shots. Like I have to, I have to, Boo-hoo. I have to, if the fans, if that's going to make it more exciting of where this day, the co- whole place 300 feet, the next day it plays 250 feet. It's better than us playing four different courses. That I agree much. with that for sure. I think uh, you're onto something. I think that um, as an entertainment. Oh, Britain, the camera is shaking whenever you all touch the table. The camera is shaking pretty bad. Shaking. Okay. Don't move. We can't touch the table. Try not to touch the table. The table's lava. <laughs> the table is lava. Sorry, guys. We uh, maybe that in the future I don't put the camera on the table that we're on. Okay, so back to my thought. Yeah, if we're Thank thinking you, of it as an entertainment, because it is package, right? If no one watches this play, yes. none of us are playing. Disc so golf. then let me see these in the comments. See if this is this would be preferred. What if there are different tees, like you're saying? And like I was saying, there were easier tees and they got harder as the tournament went. Would you rather have a birdie fest at the end where everybody's birdieing and somebody's shooting 14 under and that person Mm -hmm. wins? Or would you rather somebody struggling to shoot like five, six, seven under and then you have like those two-stroke swings like somebody's birdieing, somebody's bogeying? Which one do you want to see? Would you rather just see a birdie fest of everybody making all these great putts and blah, 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 blah? Or would you rather see somebody like struggling and somebody else doing well and like birdies are tough to come by and bogeys are happening like which one which one i feel like birdie fest though that's what people like no i i know people like seeing birdies for sure but i would say like a birdie fest if i'm if if i'm but we give it to them we give it to them we just give it to them early yeah, oh, or do we give that. it? Or do we give it to? Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm against birdie fest, but what, what I'm just thinking is like if I'm going, into, if me personally, I'm going into the final round of tournament and I'm four back from the leader, and everyone's been shooting 12, 13, 14 under par. It's daunting. I <laughs> I don't like my chances. It's daunting. I don't like my chances. I have to shoot 17 under par. Yeah. To have a shot at winning, versus five under is a good score. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, maybe I go out and shoot a nine or maybe the leader shoots a four and I shoot an eight. Like to me, that seems more, more feasible than if, if a good round is 14 under, you're not really leaving that much room for, you know, here's one thing I want to tell, tell the audience. It's hilarious to me as well is I don't think people really realize how good people are playing to get these scores that they're getting. And so here's a perspective. There's some perspective. Well, people are saying they should they should add like a local pro to the lead card. <laughs> and then like show, no, a... I'm just saying in general, like great players. Oh, like, like for example, in order to win a tournament, how many 10, 60 rated rounds have you played in your career? Have you shot in your entire Eight career? Ratings. No, I'm just asking. I have no idea. I have no idea. Probably, I'll guess. I'm probably pretty accurate. Zero. No, probably like. I would say four or five. I have no. So idea. you would have to basically 
my point is, well, yeah. well, you don't like ratings. We won't use those. I don't I like ratings. them either. But you're going to have to, in order to win a tournament, play better than you've ever played. Mm -hmm. The whole time. Yep. The whole time. Not just like, I'm, I'm saying take the best rounds you've ever played in your life, and if you combine that for four rounds, you might not win at these tournaments. That's how good these people are playing. The 14 under, that's why he's saying, like, and I'm saying it's daunting going into there because what they're doing is they're playing perfect. Yes. They are playing perfect golf. It's not like they're leaving some out there. They're missing 20 footers. That's still playing perfect. They're getting right. other, they're making 80 footers. Yes. Like, and what gives me that thought is watching Calvin last weekend, like just watching him on camera and knowing, and knowing the sport and knowing how good Calvin is. You're, nobody was beating him that week. Like the way he was putting. You went by six I don't or four. Know. You went by six or four, but I believe he also made. I mean, let's think about it. He made that basketball putt right out of the woods. And then, a, just and a, then he made 84. four or five, 80, 60 footers. Bro. So it's like if, if you remove those putts, and let's just say, oh, he just hit cage. Oh, he just hit band. Now someone else is winning. Yeah. Like that is, it's. Yeah, then they're playing great. Then they're playing the best. They're playing played. incredible too. Yeah, you just uh, the way we have it set up, which is what we want, which was what yeah. we want because I don't think it was like this back in the day. You have to play good to win, and there are some guys that they, <laughs> you have to play great. Yeah, there are some guys that you know a, a the, Calvin's floor. Yeah, his floor is probably the ceiling for a lot of people on tour. Yes, right. But back in the day, and I say back in the day, like. You know, I'm some historian of disc golf, but I just know from 2020 to the difference that I've seen in 2020 until it's now, different, significantly it's, different. it's significantly different because in 2020, I would have like a decent round and I was obviously way worse in 2020 than I am now. Yeah. I would have like a decent round. I'd be like top 25, top 30, yeah. top 40, whatever. Now I've, I've had some good rounds this year and I'm like tied for like 24th. And I'm like, what? It's just, it's just, let me ask there's, you this. There's a lot of guys that have high, high ceilings. I had a thought. I had a, I had a good one, too. Where, where'd it go? Let me find it. Next, next topic. Okay. All right. Brain dead. Uh, tea times have been posted. So we'll just kind of go through some of the, I would say, off top, like the feature cards, if you will. I don't know if the feature cards have been posted on social media yet, but. Tea times have been posted. Oh, I got it. Yeah, last thought. <laughs> yeah, go for it. When's the last time you played a tournament and you were like, I didn't play good, but if I played good, I could have won that tournament? Oh. Because that's happened too. Yeah. It's just not as often. Like there are times, let's make this clear. There are times where the field doesn't play the best that it could have played. Like the field comes down mm -hmm. and they don't play the best that they could have. I would say, I mean, the closest I've ever been to that is DDO. However, Ricky played very, I, I didn't play good the final round. I birdied the last four holes to get a third in that tournament. Ricky played really, really well. So I don't think if I would have played well, I don't think I would have beaten him. But that was probably the closest I've been to actually winning. I'm sure there's been other tournaments where I'm like, oh man. No, I'm saying like you just play bad and you look at the score and you're like, that's low. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Doesn't happen. Not on tour. Not on Doesn't tour. happen. Yeah, not on. Not. not it used to happen a lot to where I would play a tournament and be like, I didn't play good and I didn't win, and that's. So I'm surprised 
I didn't play better to win that tournament. Yeah, for me, it's it doesn't more, happen now. Yeah, for me, it's more like Waco. I, I looked at Waco and I I three putted inside the circle twice. Yeah. So like I do the math there. I'm like I just lost four strokes. Okay, if I would have been able to get those four strokes, I would have moved up to twenty second place or whatever. Yeah. Right. So I, there's definitely I haven't put myself in the position to where I can say like oh man. If I would have done this, this, and this, I would have won. Right. It would have been like if I would have done this, 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 this. And that guy wasn't there. Yeah. And then this guy just doesn't even show up. Okay. So we've got the here's a feature card for us. We've got the first feature card going out at 303. We have Raven Newsom, Adam Hammes, Paul McBeth, Emerson Keith. And then we have the other feature card at 323. That being the defending champion, Chris Dickerson, the number one player in the world, according to me, Calvin Heimberg, Matthew Oram, and Nico LeCastro, uh, which will be, that'll be a good one. I think that is the first time Nico has been on a feature card this year. No, I think he was on feature card at Austin. I take that back. Uh, And I believe he was also on coverage, I believe at Waco as well. He's been on coverage multiple times, but uh other than that i'm trying to look through there's always like that sneaky gatekeeper card very hard to tell what the gatekeeper card is <laughs> who do you play with uh i am playing with randon lada i'm playing with someone from denmark i mr jensen and then i'm playing <laughs> with aiden scott okay and then you go off what time are you off you a little 12. bit earlier okay i'm a, i'm gonna go off at two yeah, it's it. It is a fun game going through and like trying to. Okay, th- I found it. This is the gatekeeper card. The gatekeeper card for sure. Kyle Klein, Ezra Aderhold, Kevin Jones, Andrew Presnell, one twenty. Has to be right. No. Yeah, because then you go down and it's like <laughs> you're like the one ten is Aaron Gossage, Corey Ellis, Zach Arlinghouse, and Nicholas Antilla. You're like that's a pretty good card too. It's th- I love this. This is so much fun. I feel like. There are so many good cards that go out there. And have you, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've definitely noticed there has been more people going out earlier and watching that. I feel like that wasn't super common when I first got on tour. There's a lot more, a lot more people going out. I'm playing pretty bad now. Well, first, like first day, especially like first day, Fridays, normally not that busy of days. And there's still a lot of people showing up early and going out watching people. I think it's, I think that's, that's, that's awesome. Well, I think what happens too is a lot of people go out to watch the FPO and then Mm -hmm. they're just there. Stick around. Yeah. Uh, It's like a whole day experience. FPO feature cards are going to be, this is interesting. Is she playing? She has a T. See, this is what's, this is what's weird because Ricky had a T time. He's not playing. He's already, he's already come out and said he's not playing, but he has a T time. Is Valerie playing? She's on here. 7.50 a.m. Maybe a comeback. I haven't heard that she's... That ankle. Yeah, I haven't heard that she's good to go, but maybe she is good to go. Uh, All right, we've got Deanne Carey, Paige Pierce, Missy Gannon, Macy Valadez. Then we have Lisa Fakus, Katrina Allen, Kristen Tarr, and Kat Merch. Those are your two feature cards for FPO. I'll say this for FPO after playing today, I got to play with Holland Hanley a little bit today. I think of course the earthquake What's oh, the table. I know. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's on this box and there's not really much I can do about it. 
maybe I can get it like a little bit more. Ah, yeah, it's just kind of it's just kind of dangling there. <laughs> Sorry. The listeners are like, what the heck is going on? Okay. After playing with Hall and Hanley today, a course like this, they just they just play at Texas States. Yep. I think Texas States is a course that anyone at FPO could win. This is not a course that anyone at FPO could win. No. I I can scratch off 97% of the field in FPO and say they have no chance of winning. I would bet a million dollars. It's sad, but it's a, uh, that's just, that's just how this court, this. It, so from the FPO tees, it's, it goes deep too. Like the holes are far. Yeah. Okay. All right. So take that for what you will. If you are doing any sort of gambling on the side, uh, that is your insider info. We'll do the picks here in a little bit. Um, all right, let's get to some questions here. I pulled some people on Twitter saying, you know, cause this week was kind of a light week. Not really that much stuff happened. I'm not, we're not going to get into, I don't know if you paid attention. We're not going to get into the throw down the mountain stuff that happened in FPO. Um, I feel like at this point in time, everyone has decided where they stand on that issue of, yeah. uh, you know, Natalie Ryan, should she be able to play? Should she not be able to play? There was a Facebook post. It's it's getting to the point of where it's like it's 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 way nasty. Like it's 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 no longer I I don't know. I think some people do struggle with being able to remove themselves from a personal level and just yeah. be like objectively, this is what I think on the issue. So we're not going to get to that, but that was pretty much the only thing I would say that really happened in the disc golf world this past week. There really wasn't that much stuff that happened. No. It was a pretty quiet week. So I was like, all right, what do you guys want to hear? You ask us some questions. So I got some questions for us. We got the first one from Rob. He wants to know, how has your weightlifting affected your stamina on the course? Do you feel 100% the whole round? Well, the yeah, thing is... I don't lift any weights. That's probably for you, Brody. All right, you go. Yeah, I think I think it's it's massively helped me. Um, I don't really remember last year being huffing and puffing and being like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. Because again, at the end of the day, we're playing disc golf. It's not that exhausting of a sport. But I will say, I feel like my power has definitely improved. And because of that, I'm not having to throw full power shots all the time and obviously too like my vo2 max all those things have improved and so those are what going about your to, mood those are going to show I, I think that's also a huge one for me yeah. I, I would say that's a big one for me when i was out of shape you know clothes just didn't fit right they looked weird it, it just it was not it, it's it's tough to be super happy it really is you can fake it me personally, I, I could fake it, but I feel like I'm the happiest when I'm in shape and when I feel like I can go up a flight of stairs and not be out of breath. I so, hear you. That's where I'm in. But yeah, my mood definitely has changed. I think that also has to do with like just the chemical balance of like what I'm eating potentially yeah. too. Like the process, not eating as much processed food, fast food, sugar, all that stuff. Uh, all right. Question from Anderson. This is a good one because this was kind of brought up last week a little bit by Simon. Or this was actually brought up. Sorry, this was brought up. You weren't there. This was brought up in the live stream. Simon okay. jumped on the live stream and was talking about this a little bit. I want to hear what your thoughts are on. 
Anderson wants to know, is there a spot for a par 54 short technical course on the pro tour? Seems like an untested part of the current tour. The history of the sport has roots in these courses and it's only represented in, in less prestigious tournaments nowadays. I don't think so, but, but I do think that this perception of we have to make every course long and difficult shouldn't be a thing. I think there should be courses like Waco to where you go in there and you know you have to birdie every hole in order to win because that is a part of the sport. It doesn't necessarily have to be a bunch of par threes, although that would be kind of hilarious. <laughs> we can still play those tournaments. They're just not going to be on the elite uh, at the elite level. You like know Masters I mean? Cup is probably the best par three course I've played. Yeah. And it just didn't feel like I was playing disc golf. Yeah, it's different for sure. Um, you, you're just, to me, you're just taking out a complete you're taking out of, of a skill set that I think is a mandatory in disc golf, and that is strategy. That yeah. is that is course management. That is just completely out the door when you're playing a par three course. Because if you throw a bad shot, your next throw is just like a jump putt into the circle. Yeah. The majority of the time. It is now. Now I, I would agree with you. But like, for example, if you were to think about my game, mm -hmm. right? When I step up to a par three technical shot, you think I got a pretty good shot there, don't you? Sure. Well, that's because my game was molded around par three, par three courses. Like that's how what I grew up playing. Every time that I would tee it up, aside from maybe like four tournaments a year, I was playing technical par three, par fifty four courses. So you had to know angles, and you had to. It was a two fest, you know. The game is different. I think. We've evolved past that for sure, and I'm happy that we have these beautiful courses that we play with, par fives, par fours. That's where the sport needs to go. But the notion of protect par at all costs, that doesn't ring a bell to me. I think you should be penalized for bad shots, but I don't think if somebody, you know, if you're if if the course is easy, I don't think that that doesn't belong on the on the pro tour. Yeah, as long as it's beautiful and fun. That's a one thing. Like a fun, exciting course. Those are awesome. Like Waco is a fun and exciting. It's a it's a fun place to practice. If you go play like in Massachusetts, you know why the um, Maple Hill is so fun because it's exciting. Every every shot is like even the par threes are tough and like rewarding. Like that's an exciting place to play. Yeah. There, I mean, I like there, there yeah. are for sure some courses that are way more fun to practice than others. That's, that's a given, you know, I, like there's a good example. Like this course, I don't, it's not a bad course. <laughs> I don't want to practice it ever it's, again. It's, it's not, well, it's just not a bad course, <laughs> but I don't get the same feeling of waking up and playing it. Like I do at Fox run. I don't right. get the same feeling of waking up and playing it. Like I do at WR Jackson. Yeah. And again, this kind of bodes back to it. That doesn't really matter, right? Because it shouldn't be how I feel about playing a course. It should be how it, how it, how it, how it, how it plays for the viewers. This is interesting though, because I asked you this question yesterday and I'm going to tell them what I asked you. I made like a comparison and I, I wanted to know like, 
what what is best for this golf because we don't know i mean we're just we're spitballing. yeah we're just spitballing we have no clue nobody really knows it's a it's going to take a take a group effort of intelligent people with ideas together to push the sport forward not one person is going to do it right with that being said when i look at what the pe people like to watch we came up with like they really like watching Maple Hill, USDGC, Fox Run, Brewster. That's the ones that they like to Beaver watch. State Fling Beaver was State, one that was Beaver State Fling. And then I asked, "Well, what is it? Where do the players like playing?" For some reason, they kind of match up, mm. right? And if those things match up, now we're on to something. I feel like I, that's just a logical like. So maybe that's the direction we need to go. What are they doing correctly? And it's not, like I said, I'm, I'm almost backing myself into a wall, which I'm not trying to do, especially being here. And I'm so thankful to be on the tour and be able to play these awesome places and people put up all that work and all that stuff comes from my heart. It really does. Mm -hmm. But what are those places doing? Because I wake up in the morning like you and I want to go play Maple Hill. Yeah. Like I want to play every day. I want to get a practice run in every day there. I wake up here. I'm not looking forward to going out there. And here's, that's just the truth. Here's something that we have to be. I am looking forward to playing the tournament. Yes. And I will get excited to get up and go out there and compete at this course. But to play it, like to just be like after the tournament, be like, hey, bro, Monday, play another one. me and you. Yeah. Something I will say we have to be a little careful of because I do see this in some of where there's just that nostalgia. There's that this course has been around. Yeah. They've been playing it I for years. Because new courses seem to a lot of times get criticized way more than other courses that we play that, in my opinion, aren't that great. So it's like, why aren't we criticizing this course? Oh, because we've been playing it for 10, 15 years. Yeah. So that's one thing I would say to, we got to probably be a little careful is like our pros actually saying like, this is, I love this course, this course, but why? Why, why do you love it? Is it just because you've been playing for 10 years and you've created these yeah. memories and all that stuff yeah. and, and now it means something more yeah. to you? Or is the course actually asking something of you? Because to me, like, again, this course and Jonesboro are very similar, I feel like. Very similar vibes. But Jonesboro, I just think, has some better holes. I think Jonesboro's a little bit better as far as there's something to be said about having like a tight area and it's kind of like carved out with like walls of trees around and it's kind of enclosed and it makes it feel like, see, that's what I feel like this course is yeah. kind of, but not really yeah. also. So that's why it's close. I guess I will say this course has probably one of the better practice areas that we get. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. And obviously we would love to hear you guys, please let us know what what I've, what tournaments what courses you guys love to watch because again we are just i've said this before last year i said it i think on on a podcast uh i don't think there's a disc golf course made yet like i don't think we have a real a real championship level disc golf course i really don't the owner and, of eagles crossing is going to send you a really nasty email <laughs> they sent me a refund of my entry fee for that tournament this year oh so really? they did send me a nasty email yikes <laughs> we both have gotten, we both have gotten refunded for tournaments now 
People just do not want us to play their tournament. But I feel like if we accept, hear me out. I feel like if we accept that there is something good, then where does it get better from there? Like I, I just refuse to accept that, that that's the best we got. That, that like Maple Hill's the best we. That's not saying that it's not good, because it's the best we got. But I'm not accepting when, that that's the best that we. That I think we can do so so much better. Well, when have we really, when have we really gone out, seeked property? that has not been touched and gone in and said, this is what we're going to do. I feel like a lot of times, like, well, I think we did it in at the PDGA headquarters, but we did it a long time ago. And is that so, WR Jackson you're talking about? And then, uh, yeah, Warner and steady ed. I think it's easier with, I think it's easier with wood courses, but think about those courses 20 years ago or whenever that place was put in. Imagine those courses. Yeah. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah amazing so you're so you're saying there hasn't been enough innovation over the last few no, years. no as a sport grows everything's got to grow and that's the one thing that i don't think i've seen held behind maple hill's the same they they might push a t-pad back yeah but you get what i mean like and maybe that's that's maybe that's not for disc golf. maybe it's not but i i personally am not well, going he, to believe that here i'll challenge you on this have you not seen though the level of courses we've played from 2020 to now improve oh yeah okay no everything's improved okay but I, that's what i'm saying i I'm feel saying, like we are getting out of like the yes, local parks yes like we played yeah, a we, lot of courses a lot of tournaments in 2020 where we're that's, like we're like in a local park that's not what i'm saying i'm saying like when i if i were to drink which you have to as an athlete you have For to sure. like think of yourself at the top and then you work your butt off to get there as a sport collectively if we're looking and we're like yeah that's good enough it's it's not going to go well for us in the future. And what I'm saying, I do have a voice in this game. And I say, no, we can do better. Like there can be, and not even just better, like 50 times better. Mm. Like there can be 50, 50. If we, if you and I had an unlimited amount of resources, that somebody gave us and they're like, go design a course right now. How good would that place be? What's that even look like? Here's, here's what I'll say about course design. I don't think if you gave me like a blank canvas that I could make a good course. <laughs> All right. I now, think, I think what I give I'm, me the money. I think what <laughs> I, I can do this is what I think I'm good at though. I think what I am actually good at is I just build this place. Brody comes in. He's like, this is trash. This is trash. <laughs> yes, that is what I'm good. I wouldn't say build it, but I would say if, if, if I can see what you're trying to do, I think yeah, I I'm, cannot. I think I'm a good like advisor. Yeah. Of where I'm not going to be the person to like, okay, this is the routing. This is how we're going to set it up. Yeah. 18 is going to come around here. We're going to have a sick par three over here. It's going to be a dog. I don't think I'm going to be good at that, but I think I would be a good, I think I am good at seeing a hole and saying, we got to put hazard here and we got to make sure that this over here is OB and we got to put the basket over here, not here. Like, I feel like I can do that well. And make a make a a hole have better score um, scoring separation, but I, you if you just gave me like sixty acres of woods and you're like make a championship level course, I'm like fine. <laughs> Honestly, what I would do, I literally would do this. I would go and think about my favorite holes that I've played and, you'd and make copy. Them, I would just yeah. copy the favorite holes from. From Maple Hill. You from, could do that though. That Brewster would be and wouldn't that be from, the best? That actually probably be dope. I actually wouldn't, it might be the best course. In the world. It would I be. Actually might be the best. It course would in the world. be. There's there's a good chance I could actually make the best course. <laughs> it would be. Um. All right. 
Oh, we got rockers. Yeah, Sorry, guys. I, 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 it's impossible. Every time I touch you know the table. What? Every time I touch the table. You're going to have to deal People with People are calling us my, the bobblehead twins. My oh, back so. is aching now from like. I know, having to. Yeah, this. It's not happening. Well, I didn't know if we should have been like in the couch and like. Chilling back. I, but we would have held to have the. Maybe we hold the mics so that the mics this are is close good. to us. This is okay. good. All right. The, the audio listeners never have to go through the struggles here. They <laughs> no. just are listening to us complain all the time. All right, next question we've got is from Strangest Days. Who do you guys think puts the most spin on the disc? That's the he has a couple questions, but that's the first one. I have someone in mind that puts a crap ton of spin on the disc. I mean, I have three people in mind. Do you have three people? I have one. Oh, that, that Alden Harris spin. That was it. my one. Uh, hold on. I have two. I have another one. Simon. He does. Yeah. He was he not in. Spins it though. He wasn't my thought. There's well, who's your third? Maybe your third's the same as mine. Gosh, I just had it. He won this. Bradley tournament. Bradley Williams spins. Yeah, Mason Ford. Okay. Yeah. Mason Ford's a spinner. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Next question. Why don't most tournaments move basket placements like ball golf tournaments do? Even if it wasn't every hole that changed, I think it could really add some juice. So this is. A little bit on what we were talking about earlier with the tee boxes of this could make, you know, if size, if you can pull up hole 16 for me on uh, the course here, hole 16, it's an island hole. It's 300 feet. You can throw it straight at the basket. You can throw a hyzer to the right. You can throw a forehand to the left spike. The bat, the the basket is perfectly in the middle of an OB circle around the basket. Does that hole become a lot different if you drop the basket 20 feet down the hill? And now it's like on the bottom. OB is the same. Everything's the same. Yeah. It would, but now yeah. the basket's 20 feet down. Because yeah. now people. You got to flirt with the trees you, if you go hyzer. To try to park it, or do you go play right safe and go 30 feet above it, and now you have a 30 feet you'd downhill have, straight OB. You'd have more people going right at it. For sure. Which which, which brings the trees into yeah. play. Yeah, so just moving that basket 20 feet on a very basic uh, hole. That, that's one of the more basic holes you can get. Just moving that basket just a little bit. Or what if you moved it 20 feet to the right, and now it's like tucked on the right-hand side? Now maybe a backhand isn't really that great of an option. Yeah. Maybe it forced more people to throw a forehand in there. I think it would change shots. I think it would change people how they it played would. the hole. Yeah. And again, this kind of bodes back to what do viewers want to see? Do viewers want to see the same hole and are just hoping that the wind changes and so we have to throw different shots? Because if the wind is if there's no wind, if there's no wind, the, you're going to throw the same exact shot as you do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, correct? You're not changing your game plan. If the basket moved between Friday and Saturday, no wind, you might change your game plan. I don't think they would even notice. I don't think the viewer would notice. I think we would notice. I think it would change play, but I don't think... I think it's tee to green, putt, and then they putt. You don't think they would be able to show... Hardcore fans, yes, but for the general... And oh, I say, here's the problem, too. is like the drone is going to have... The drone's going to be... See, there's an issue. The, the drone is going to be what it is on Friday. So when you get there on Saturday and the basket's 20 feet lower and they do the flyover of the hole, 
the Wait, basket is going to be in the old spot. Or just pull out the basket for the drone flyover and then just explain it. Mark little X. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. But I, I just think that's where the commentary has to come into play. Yes. The commentary has to explain how this hole is playing different because right. of where the basket is. But I don't think the viewer is going to notice. See, I, I disagree because like when I watch golf, they do such a good job of explaining like the person that hit the ball 10 feet long of the pin and the person that hit the pin, the ball 10 feet short of the pin, they do such a good job of saying basically the person that's long, that is a worse shot than the person. Even though they're same 10 feet, they do a good job of explaining like that is a downhill fast putt. That's who we've, and everyone knows a fast putt is way like a downhill putt in golf is so much harder than an uphill putt in golf. Yes, but at the same time, it's just to me because I watch golf yep. every weekend. To me, it's just like like tuck on pins the green. Don't get you like oh man, he's going for the pin. It's a tuck pin. I no, no doesn't no, really get it. I don't okay, think so that might be like that might be for like the the hardos. That yeah. might be like, but I feel like I'm a hardo. But there's well, there's you're not. Like, you're never I, not. I am. If you're not, because I know like the Masters is is, is this week. Right, and I yeah. know all the pins and what's going on. But like you don't like, get excited. TPC Sawgrass, hole seventeen, the island. When the pin is tucked on Sunday position, back right, and people are going for that pin, that doesn't jack you up. Of like, no, oh it, my it does. But from the day before, like I think it's just tee to green, okay. or tee to fairway, fairway to green, and then they're just supposed to do what they're supposed to do. Okay, I think the viewer just wants to see golf. Mm. Yeah, you I know what I mean. I mean, this guy posed a question again. I like the question. There might be some people like, yeah, I would love to see. A no, basket. I want it for our, our sake. For yeah. Sure. Well, I'm just saying there might be fans too that are like one day the basket is on the top of the hill and it's right on the crest and the other day it's on the bottom. And so the way that the whole plays. Let's do it this week. Let's do I mean, I'll go out there and start moving baskets. I don't care. <laughs> uh, Mitchell wants to know, how do you make the jump from A tiers to the Disc Golf Pro Tour? Oh. Tough. Uh... Well, I I believe you would have to have a rating that is high enough to even get into some of these tournaments. So you'd have to get on the list, and then you would have to basically, like Silver Series, you have to make a name for yourself type deal. And then I believe it is at the beginning of the year, top eighty, right? Get a get your Short card, card. Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the spots are opened up to. Highest rated, highest rated players. So, number one is you got to get your rating going. Then you got to show up, play some of these tournaments, get in, and then you have to sh play well. You have to play well. To get points. Yeah. Um. Same with silver series. Like if somebody wins a silver series or even gets top four, you'll be eighty. You're you're gonna get some invites. Yeah. Well, you also probably most likely will be in the top eighty potentially if you win a not maybe not a silver event. Sorry. Oh, uh, maybe. No, you might be. Yeah. 50 points that's yeah. a lot yeah yeah you might be mm -hmm. but to to piggyback the rating right now as much as i hate it the rating right now is the thing that matters the absolute most yeah and so if you think you are good enough because that's the other thing too first off can you win a, a local a tier that's where you can really set yourself apart like you can think to, if you're winning local yes. a tiers and b tiers and you're dominating your region you got what it takes because you got to think about it like this. If you're not the best in your home state. Not even your home state. If you're not the best in like your city. No, no, just your home state. If it's your home state, then that's how many, how many, you know. Well, like if you're like. The, you know, that, 
If you're, no, like, if you're like the no, third best player in California, you're probably really freaking good. No, you are. But I'm saying if you're not just the best in your in your state, mm-hmm. that's 50 plus people. There's 80, 80 oh. spots. You oh. get what I mean? Like oh, you, I see. Yes, I see what you're saying. Like that's. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of people just right there. Then you're not if you're not just only the best. Then you probably got a ways to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not the best in uh, South Carolina. Might be the best. Yeah, is, I don't know who else is from South Carolina. Yeah. Someone can fact check. Jake, that. Jake, uh, Mon. He's yeah, I think he okay. is. He he beats me down every weekend. But you see what I'm saying? Then you probably don't got what it takes. Yeah, I, get that first. Knock down that. That's a great goal. I would say too. The other thing, as well, is you know you you could be a thousand rated player but you're playing courses that suit your style really well mm. right game, your game has to travel and now it's like okay you might be a thousand rated player playing on par 54 courses that are technical and wooded let's yep. say going back to that we don't play any of those that, that course <laughs> no. doesn't exist on tour no so that's where it's like it's important to what I'll say this. It's important to play tournaments that you know you're going to do well in. So your rating goes up because that's key. But your practice, you should be practicing on courses that you're not good at. Practice on courses that challenge you so you can start working on those areas. So that way, when you do come on tour and you do play these courses, because it's way different. Most local courses are not your disc golf pro tour courses, right. they don't have any OB. You can throw shots wherever. It's way different. So uh, that got me in trouble a lot my first year because I was playing all my local courses and yeah. I was like, oh, I'm shredding. Right. And I just thought I was just going to come on tour and shred. And it's like, oh, we're, uh, these are okay. These, I, I have to throw fairway drivers <laughs> off the tee. I can't just throw my zone everywhere. All right. Dusty wants to know uh, what was enough changed at the event to elevate it from a silver event to an elite event, in your opinion? Context. I had. Heard some chatter. Some players still didn't like the course. I even heard from one player that Dickerson offered suggestions for improvements and was shut down. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Insider info from Dusty. So what I did is I just want to know because I didn't. I have no idea. Like we talked about this a little bit. Like what's the difference? What is an elite event? What makes it an elite right. event? So an elite event, formerly an elite series, an elite event are the meat of the Disc Golf Pro Tour regular season. The Disc Golf Pro Tour sets high standards for media presence, organization, and added cash for elite events. So those are, that's what it says. Media presence, organization, added cash. Silver events, they offer high standards but may not have the same added cash or media presence at elite events. Silver events only happen during weeks when there is no other Disc Golf Pro Tour competition. So from the basic level, you're going to essentially have an extra, you know, at a silver event, we might just have one card filmed mm-hmm. for post elite. We have two, and then you might have some extra stuff around and a little more money and a little more money. There's not really, there's nothing that says anything about like how the course plays, okay. which I thought was interesting. That is interesting because I did think that was like a factor, and maybe it's like a factor that's not like really, uh, you know, public. Well, they just choose, you know, they go vet the place and say, okay, you're good enough for a silver series, not elite series. I, I bet. Mm. I bet they vet it. Yeah. I think they do. 
Potentially. I'm going to put my money on they bet it. But that's, I don't know. I just thought that was like one of the more, I, I was interested in reading that because I was like, I thought I thought the course had a lot to do with whether it was an elite event or not. But I don't know. That's, that's well, nothing right had now. been played in Austin and we got to play that. It's not, not one thing ever. Yes. So. Yeah. I, I, you've got me fooled. You've got me fooled. All right. Last thing. We got our first available of the week. Not that many good ones, honestly. Not really cr- any, like I said, not really anything crazy happened. There were some good April Fools posts. I completely forgot it was April Fools. <laughs> this 100% got me. I don't know if this got you. And the reason why this is my it got got me for a half second until yes. I was like, oh yeah, this is why this April is the first Fools. available because of who posted it. The Disc Golf Pro Tour posted this, uh, and I feel like if someone else would have posted this, I would have been like, okay, that's hilarious. But be, it's kind of like one of those things of where it's like the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Let's just say the Disc Golf Pro Tour said, hey guys, just want to let you know this year the Tour Championship we're playing for a million dollars. <laughs> and then an hour later, April Fools got you. We're playing yeah. for fifty thousand. <laughs> like that's kind of how this post was a little bit that I read of where I was like, "Holy crap!" Like something that people talk about all the time is disc golf in the Olympics. Like this is crazy. Like that's yeah. awesome. And then they're like, "Nah, we're not. We're not <laughs> that good. We're still not in the Olympics." And it's like that's where I was. Ah, oh, man. I feel like it would have been funny coming from someone else. But coming from the pro tour, it was, it was of, a stinger. <laughs> I liked it. I liked yeah. it. It got you. It got, it got me, me no, for a second. Me. I'm like, wait, oh wait, no, April Fool's. Got like, it. Ah, no. Um, I don't think we missed anything. I think that's pretty much it. Silas will text me, I guess, if we did miss anything. Was there anything else that you wanted to chat about? I, I knew this week was going to be a little bit faster. I think we just go into our picks and maybe we we oh, did our it. Picks. I did forget our picks. Do you need to pull up? You need to pull up the. Uh, yeah, I got. I didn't make my picks yet. I was gonna. I never it. make my picks before. Yeah, because I don't ever want to get in a situation where I have someone in mind and then you end up picking them. I get first pick this week. You do get first pick this week. I don't know if that's gonna help you. It'll help me. What's that? It'll help me. Okay. I'm gonna say. I've got it. You I, know what? This place is a sidearm fest. It is. A lot of those birdies are like... a lot of sidearms. I'm going to go Joel Freeman as my first pick. Kind of crazy, but I'm doing it. He just played played great last weekend, and then this place is a sidearm fest, man. Long distance. Yeah, the distance is... uh, God, this, this... Honestly, this tournament might be my least... The one I feel least confident about. I would have picked Eagle. But the sidearm thing... I know, I was about to pick Eagle too. But the sidearm thing, and I would have picked Calvin, but the sidearm thing really... I really think it's a lefty course. So I'm going to stick it... I'm going to stick with Joel Freeman as my first pick just because he's nice. Saz, can you write these down? Because I'm not on my computer like I know. Joel Freeman, number one pick. So Yuli goes Joel Freeman, number one. He did give me a point last week too. I'm going to go... Man. I'm going to go... I mean, you left him on the table. I, ha- I mean, it's he's going to get a top ten. Chris, no, I'm going to go Calvin. He's going to get a top ten. Okay. I don't, I don't know if he misses top ten all year, so it's like he's an automatic point. Yeah. So I'm going to go Calvin. Then I'm going to go. I'm going to go Paul. Dang. I'm going to go Paul. Nice pick. 
I think that's a good one. That's a great pick. He's all Calvin and Paul. And then I've got my sneaky. I got my sneak. It's not even sneaky. No, I'll go sneaky. I'll go sneaky. I'm going to go. I, I get two now. You get two. I'm going to go Kevin Jones. Okay. Sidearm. Flex shots. Yeah. Need it. Been putting great. Uh, And then right below him, I'm going all sidearms and lefties. I'm going Chris Clements. Ooh, Clemonade. Yeah. Who also played good last week. Okay. Here's the thing. We didn't pick the winner from last year. The guy that we Chris, literally just I figure said. You, you pick him. I, I, I just. Uh, I won't pick him. I won't pick him because I feel like that's, you know, that's you low hanging fruit. That's, <laughs> low-hanging fruit. that's like a given. I'm going to, I'm going to go down the leaderboard a little bit here. That's what I I'm did. I'm going to go. Hmm. Give me some. You know, I'm going to go super dark horse. All mine were kind of. I'm no, I'm going super dark horse. I picked two non winners. Give me Chandler Kramer. Oh, give me the sidearm wow. specialist. Wow. Just give it to me. Yeah. Chandler Kramer. If that happens, that's... A, if he gets a top 10... It's an amazing pick. It's not going to yeah. be as amazing as my pick last week where I switched that was, to somebody who didn't even play and then I got a second place that finish. Was, that was unbelievable. <laughs> that, was, that was the pick of the year. You, you literally picked someone that wasn't even playing that looked like they were playing and then... That was the pick. And then pick the second place finish. All right. That was Hopefully, awesome. Saz, you got those all marked down because I've already forgotten who I picked. What about um, Gannon? Whoa. Do you want to switch? Dang, I almost did. I'll let you switch. Do I do switcheroos to? Because it's not going to work both times. That's it's going to work you. again. That's why I want you to switch because whoever you switch is going to win. And it's going to be, that's going to be even taking, more I'm glorious. taking, I'm sorry, Chris. I'm going to take the lefty out. I'm putting, I'm putting Gannon in. Okay, so he's Gannon. taking he's taking Chris off the board. He's putting Gannon on the board, which Chris is just gonna slay that place. I know. But there's a, it's a flexies. It's not all hyzers. You gotta flex it. I'm going with the sidearm still. I like my picks, man. It'll be interesting to see. Um, How do we forget Gannon? Did you would you have picked? People them? are telling me I I have horrible picks. <laughs> uh, I mean that's just rude. <laughs> Come on, man. What about me? I got great picks. Uh, Ezra would have been a good pick, too. Ez. He's been playing really well as well. I mean, I, here's the thing. I, I don't think I'm ever going to pick myself, you, or Ezra. I might pick myself eventually. if I. But right now, it's like... I think it's I more fun pick, to pick other people. If I pick myself right now, that's a guaranteed almost... Like, I can't throw it 380 feet. Right yeah, now. I just like I like picking people that I'm not attached to. Yeah. I, I think it, I think it makes it a little bit more exciting for me just to be like, ooh. Um, but obviously, I'm rooting for Ezra. He's been playing really, really well, and yeah. I would not be surprised at all if he gets a top ten here at all. This this course is uh, suits his, suits his game yeah. very, very well. Eagles gonna be an interesting one. I mean, we didn't really. I guess we didn't really talk. We did. Maybe we need to do this real quick. We got a few minutes here. Maybe we need to do this because I felt like we didn't really do this this week, and maybe we do normally, and we didn't this week. I don't know why. We didn't really talk about players. We talked about the course a lot with the preview. Well, how about this? We didn't how really about talk... We talk about why we're picking the players that we picked, and then that'll kind of give them an insight Let's on. Let's do that. And then it, it kind of does a double. I like that. double whammy. Okay, so why'd you go with Joel Freeman? I went with Joel Freeman. Not only has he been playing well, but like I said, a lot of these par par threes are 
left to right off the bat or yep. right to left. They're not straight. So a lot of flex shots. That guy, it seems like very rarely ever starts to this just completely straight. He likes the angles. He does, actually, yeah. He, so he likes to bend it from right to left. He flex doesn't even shots. throw really hyzer flips either. Mm -mm. It's all and Yep. And when I think about this course, a lot of those holes where I was saying, like, I probably won't get those two rounds in a row, they're all flex sidearms or they're flex backhands. It opens up the gap. A tight little flex. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's kind of his game. Plus, he has plenty of distance. He's been playing good. I think it's a great pick. Does anyone birdie hole three all three rounds? I'm going to say yes. You think someone does? I think somebody's going to. I might do it. All three rounds. Yeah. Huh. All right. Uh, what hole do you think is going to be the least birdied? That's a good one. That's a good question. Least birdied hole. I've got, I got mine locked in. I think. Sixteen. The one before that, the par four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why I was gonna pick. Fifteen well. or uh. Fifteen or two. Even eighteen. No, tough. two's kind of easy. Eighteen if there's a headwind. Eighteen, yeah. That's not that bad. Like you throw a good shot, you're forty feet. I picked Calvin mainly because He's he. Out of his you mind. know, we were talking about like making sure your game travels. His game travels. There's there's not a course that he gets to and he's gonna be like, well, this doesn't suit my game. <laughs> so, and the way he's been putting and playing right now, I think he's just an automatic top ten. And for a lot of these holes too, with there are a couple holes that do require fairly tight, you know, shot off the tee because there is OB left. You know, yeah. hole two, hole four, some holes on the back nine. He's pretty solid at throwing just very low straight shots in yep. those in those to get to the ground. So I like him a lot, obviously not, not a, not a no brainer. Chris Dickerson. He, this is an interesting did you one. Pick Chris. I did pick Chris. He was my last pick. And okay. he simply, I just picked him. No, simply. you picked Chandler Kramer. Oh, I did pick Chan. Well, let me talk about Chris real quick. Okay. Yeah. This, I, I think we mentioned it a little bit earlier. You know, he's been quiet this year at one point in time, not that long ago, he was considered like one of the top five guys, right? There was, there was these guys that kind of had all separated themselves from yep. everyone else. And he had moved up into that position. No one's really talking about him that much. He hasn't played. Uh, I'm going to pull him up real quick. I don't think he played that much this year so far. He played Waco 22nd. He played open at Austin 19th. Okay. So he hasn't played more than two. I mean, he's played two events. He hasn't barely played at all. This would be a great, like, I agree. This would be a great one for him to kind of get his motor going a little bit, right? And, and kind of get the season off. Uh, and then I ended up picking Chandler Kramer. Why? I have no idea. You just kept saying sidearm a bunch of times. So <laughs> I just, baited you in. That, just, that just convinced me to go with the, the sidearm master. Uh, and then I picked Paul because I do, I think this also is another course where, you know, Paul's game travels everywhere. He's not going to, get to a course and be like, uh, I'm not going to play well here. And I think he has enough distance to, to be able to get every hole. And he's still, you know, even though maybe he hasn't had the greatest start of the season, right. You know, six at Vegas, six 13th at uh, Waco 10th at the open. Um, you know, 
not not the greatest start, he's still one of the best players. Yeah, and it's not going to take that much for him to to go out and and prove. And I think that's the other thing is. Is he in a position of where he's okay? Because I feel like last year, had he not won Worlds, I think his season would have been looked at a lot differently. Yeah. So is he in a position, again, where he's just like, well, I don't really care if I take down one of these elite events or not. Like, I'm, I care about the majors. And yeah. That's right. Or is he like, no, I want to still kind of go out and prove. Because right now, there's a lot of talk about Calvin, right? Like, everyone's talking about Calvin, 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 Calvin. And Paul being the competitor that he is, I mean, I can't feel good. If same with Eagle, like yeah. you haven't even mentioned Eagle. Oh, that's true. Like, let's not forget. I was gonna say though, if we had a healthy Ricky, my pick all day at this at this style of course. Healthy all day. in the sense of like old last year Ricky. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is his this would be his tournament. This really would be believe. a really good one for him. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what what form he's in when he comes yeah. back because we mentioned this a little bit. I think for him to get healthy, he has to just not do anything. Zero. Yeah. So the question is, does he not do anything, get healthy, and then immediately come back on tour to start playing? Because obviously he has the itch or he would have even tried in Austin. Or does he get healthy and then practice to get his game kind of sharpened up and then come back out. I think you said that he dropped out of this tournament. I think that was the smartest thing ever. Cause I, I think going into that gives him two weeks. I, I, I think he dropped out. Am I wrong? Well, he has a tea time. I know, but I, I swear I heard someone say he's not playing. Well, if he's, if he's playing and if he's healthy, <laughs> I think he dropped out. Okay. Well, uh, either way, I hope he, Hope he's playing. That's good for disc golf. Yeah, him not. Being but if playing. not, I would suggest waiting till Champions Cup, getting a, lo- a a long, a longer stint of of rest because that's the most more important tournament. That's the big one. Yeah, yeah. having two more weeks. I pick Gannon because he's just he just won in Austin and he's really good at spin putting and he throws sidearms far and backhands far. That's why I picked him. A couple other guys that we didn't really mention: AB. This course can set up really good for oh, him. Yeah. Power backhand, power forehand. Um, you've got Kyle Klein, sneaky Klein. Could could I mean he's got a decent forehand backhand as well. Um, some other people that Adam Ham is with the sidearm yep, backhand combo. I would say don't don't count out Nico on a course like this. He's spinny. same same spinny flexi guy as well. Um, and then some names maybe a little bit lower down, a Cole Radolin. Uh, Aaron Gossage, big forehand oh, guy. Yeah. Um, Matteo, Emerson Keith. I mean, there's there. It's right. it's a who's right. who. There's it's a who's awesome. who. Yeah. Um, quickly, quick. FPL, real quick. What what's the big storylines going into this tournament? Is there a big storyline? Is 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 there a Kristen Tatar? Can't you get it done? Can't I want to see it, it out. I want to see a Kristen Tatar, Paige Pierce battle. What I want to see because I think there's I mean, gonna be more people. I know you do, and and there's gonna, gonna be, but that's not what I want to see right now. You just want head to head, mono y mono coming down to the water. Yeah, I want them healthy. I want them healthy, and I want them playing good golf. I want them all healthy playing good golf, but I want to see those two because I feel like they got there's six different FPO winners this year. Six different. Mm-hmm. Not one person has won twice. But I mean, we. Paige Pearson, Kristen Tatar are clearly the best, right? 
Clear. Can I throw a name out there? Yeah. Katrina Allen. Keep an eye out. Okay. Quiet season. Quiet. As far as... Not really. She won right out of the gate. No, but since then, she she hasn't really put herself okay. in contention as much. She's, she's had a couple, like, I think last tournament, she was kind of far down, had a good... had like She's kind of backdoored her way. And before I, you know, speak vomit out of my mouth, she won in Vegas, got 10 at, 10th at Waco, second at Austin, and fifth in Innova. Um, but I believe, like, the fifth in Innova... I don't Listen, any time she wins, it's not was, a surprise. I think thing. she was out of it. Yeah. I, I just think people kind of... Okay, so how about three of them? I, I think, think people have kind, kind of, of the big three yeah, anyway. I, I think those three would be the favorites for sure. And then the ones I would think that have a chance to compete, I would say, is Ella Hansen. These, these are, I'll give you the names of the only, uh, this is what I'll say. The winner comes from these names. Okay. No shot at anyone else. Yep. I would love to be proven wrong. So you have Kristen Tatar, yep. Katrina Allen, mm-hmm. Paige Pierce. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put Haley King in there. Okay. And Gosh, I was, just, I was hoping you left her out because nope. I was going to. And I'm going to go Ella Hansen. Okay. Outside of that. I don't see anyone else winning. I, the only I, other name is like Holland Hanley. I was just gonna say Holland Hanley. I play maybe. with her. I I lo- the only the only reason I would say no is because these last couple holes, sixteen and seventeen specifically, are both island holes. This is not a tournament that is like if you have a one shot lead, you can <laughs> right. coast in. Yeah, she hasn't won a big one yet. No, nope. I think this would be a tough one too. If you have a Kristen, if you have a Paige, if you have someone like that nipping at your heels, I think this would be a tough one to get your first close down. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And I don't think her game right now is she's going to be able to get like a five shot lead. I think someone like Ellen Hanson, uh, Ella Hanson, I think she could potentially have a four or five shot lead coming into hole 16. Proven she can build a lead too. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, I think Holland, she would be the next tier. Like my, she'd be my first next pick. But I think those. I think the winners there. Okay. Some names I left off that I don't like leaving off would be uh, Hina and Evelina. Sinon uh, is not playing this tournament. Okay. Which I would have loved to see her play. Uh, that would have been awesome. But Evelina Hina, this course, they are going to shred it off the off the tee. They're going to shred it. Okay. Some of these greens are tough, and the putting woes. We've talked about this all season. There's nothing else to be talked. Um, all right. I think that's it, folks. I think we wrapped it up. We went through it all. Music City Open starts this Friday through Sunday. Tune in live on the Disc Golf Pro Tour YouTube channel or if you're a subscriber to the Disc Golf Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Shout out to all of our channel members, all of our new channel members this year. Um, we've got a bunch of other stuff that we are in the works with, so I'm excited to kind of get that ball rolling a little bit and hopefully the bobbleheads weren't too much for all you people watching live and if you're listening to us on spotify or apple or whatever podcast we always appreciate you guys tuning in and uh we look forward to the next one what is the what is the next one going to be are you in blue ridge i am okay so we'll probably be together for blue ridge which is current i didn't even know nationals college nationals is playing the course right now incredible very nice um all right Without further ado, that's it. We'll see you guys next week.